Bahi. In fact, Mahayogi. Great mystic yogi. Yuktayam. Endowed. Yoga Lakshanai. With the eightfold symptoms of yogic perfection. Sasarja. Propagated. Satida. How many times? Viryam. Offspring. Tat. That narration. May. To me. Shushusavi. Who am eager to hear. Vada. Tell. Translation by Shri Prabhupada. How many offspring did that great yogi beget through the princess? who was endowed with eightfold perfection in the yoga principles. Oh, pray tell me this, for I am eager to hear it. Purport by His Divine Grace Shiva Prabhupada. Here, Vidura inquired about Kardavamuni and his wife Devahuti, and about their children. It is described here that Devahuti was very much advanced in the performance of eightfold yoga. The eight divisions of yoga performance are described as one, control the senses, Two, strict following of the rules and regulations. Three, practice of the different sitting postures. Four, control of the breath. Five, withdrawing the senses from sense objects. Six, concentration of the mind. Seven, meditation. And eight, self-realization. After self-realization, there are eight further perfectional stages which are called yoga cities. The husband and wife, Kardama and Devahuti, were advanced in yoga practice. The husband was a Mahayogi, a great mystic, and the wife was a Yoga Lakshana, or one in advanced in yoga. They united and produced children. Formerly, after making their lives perfect, great sages and saintly persons used to beget children. Otherwise, they strictly observed the rules and regulations of celibacy. Brahmacharya, following the rules and regulations of celibacy, is required for perfection of self-realization and mystic power. There is no recommendation in the Vedic scriptures that one can go on enjoying material sense gratification at one's whims, as one likes, and at the same time become a great meditator by paying a rascal some money. You probably it just like it is. Mukum Koroti Bachalam, Pangalam, Gayeti Girim, Jat Kripa Dhamaham Vande, Sigurum Vinatarinum. So here Vidura is um, presenting some questions before Maitreya, and he's inquiring about how the, uh, under the rule of Manu, how the uh, universe is expanding in population, and who are some of these great personalities. Uh, and specifically, he's mentioning Kardamamuni and Devahuti. And they were so elevated uh, that they had as their son, Lord Kapiladev, the incarnation of Godhead. And then as we progress, uh, into, in, further into this third canto will be coming up soon to uh, the conversations uh, between Devahuti and Lord Kapila 
are some very important verses, some of which were quoted here recently by uh, Dravida Prabhu, who is always uh, quoting important verses for us to become self-realized. So um, we find that he is such a wonderful devotee and he always has this great attraction for and practice of hearing and chanting, which is the way he's been ever since I've known him, which has been about 38 years now, since 1981 in Philadelphia when the Back to God magazine was there. Everybody was at the BTG house. And he personally inspired me through his example to also um, become attached to hearing and chanting and practice the chanting of shlokas and learn the verses, learn their meanings, and then be able to also uh, explain the verses and utilize them in order to uh, preach Krishna consciousness. So uh, I've always been very attracted to that. And then in him, I found someone who I saw as an example of that hearing and chanting. Of course, before that, there's always Srila Prabhupada, whose vast command of the Shastra is just unimaginable. Here I have this shloka book compiled by His Holiness Dhanavir Goswami called Uttama Shloka, and it contains um, select verses, mostly from Prabhupada's books, but from other places, verses that Prabhupada quoted. And if you look at all the verses that Prabhupada quoted, it's this whole book. So this whole book, Prabhupada knew everything in this book, <laughs> by heart. And he's also the disciple of Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati, um, whose command of the Shastra was uh, incredibly vast because he was a Naishtika Brahmachari and a Shrutidhar who remembered everything he ever read. Not only all the verses, but many other works, many books. He read many, many books. He was a great scholar. And any book that he ever read, he it went into his database in his head and he could extract any passage from anywhere, anytime, at will. Uh, therefore, there were many persons who were very afraid of arguing with him, or just even discussing anything with him. As a matter of fact, they were afraid of his disciples, because uh, the disciples represent the spiritual master. So, they were afraid even to talk to the disciples, because too powerful, too... Uh, conclusive. And Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati did not tolerate any deviance from the principles of pure devotional service, which also happens to be the characteristic of Srila Rupa Goswami. He did not tolerate any deviation. Uh, therefore, he wrote many books, as did uh, along Rupa and Sanatana wrote many books, and then along with their nephew, Srila Jiva Goswami, who compiled a total of 100,000 verses in his books. Um, no, excuse me, 400,000 verses, something like that. Uh, four times the length of the Mahabharata, which is 100,000 verses. So there are many great devotees and scholars who are our predecessors, and they were very expert in hearing and chanting. So as followers, as the followers of these great devotees in the succession, then it behooves us also to become very expert in hearing and chanting.
And that um, hearing and chanting um, will greatly assist us in our progressive march of Krishna consciousness. Because Shravanam, Kirtanam, those are the first two processes of devotional service, the nine processes, mentioned by Prahlad Maharaj in the Bhagavatam. So, Shravanam, Kirtanam, what is the result of this Shravanam, Kirtanam? Vishnu, Smarnam. Shravanam, Kirtanam, Vishnu, Smarnam, Padasevanam. So, by hearing and chanting, uh, you hear with the ear, you chant with the mouth, then in the middle is the consciousness, which is captured or solidified by this hearing and chanting. Shravanam, Kirtanam, Vishnu, Smarnam. So, remembering Krishna is the result of hearing and chanting. So, the Shastra explains that um, one should always remember Krishna and one should never forget Krishna. And this is the, this is the essence of all rules and regulations. Uh, so, this is the active principle of Krishna consciousness, to always remember Krishna. Never forget Krishna. And this is achieved through hearing and chanting and all the, all the nine processes of devotional service taken together. And the uh, person who is considered, for each process of hearing and chanting, there is a personality, uh, each process of devotional service, there is a personality in the Shastra who is associated with, or an exemplar of that process. For example, hearing. The exemplar for hearing is Maharaj Pariksit, who heard Srimad Bhagavatam from Shukadeva Goswami. And Shukadeva Goswami is the exemplar of chanting, because he is speaking Srimad Bhagavatam. So, right there, those two, Maharaj Pariksit and Sri uh, Shukadeva Goswami, they're the examples of this hearing and chanting, one hearing and the other chanting. Although, uh, Pariksit Maharaj also speaks some nice verses and asks many relevant questions. So, as it turns out, of all the nine processes of devotional service, there's one personality who represents all nine processes simultaneously. He's the exemplar of attaining perfection by performing all nine processes of devotional service. Who knows who that is? No. I know you know. Anyone else know? No. It is Maharaj Ambarish. Savayamana Krishna Padaravindayo Vachamsi Vaikuntu Gamara Bhavana. There's three verses. Here, I'll get those verses out here. The first one of which I know, but it's in the ninth canto. Nine four eighteen. Nine four eighteen, nineteen and twenty. Savayamana Krishna Padaravindayo Vachamsi Gunana Varnani. Kadao Hadar Mandira Marjanadishu Shutanchakara Chutasat Katodaye. Generally, that's the verse that's quoted by Prabhupada. So, Maharaj Ambarish always engaged his mind in meditating upon the lotus feet of Krishna. Savai Mana Krishna Padara Vindayor. His mind, Mana Krishna Padara Vindayor, is always focused on Krishna Padara Vindayor, the lotus feet of Lord Krishna. His words in describing the glories of the Lord, that's Vaichuns, the Chamsi, Vaikuntha, Gunarnavarnane. Uh, 
Vachamsi means he's speaking about the qualities uh, and the glories of the Lord, uh, who is known as Vaikuntha Guna Anuvarnane. His words in describing the glories of the Lord. His hands in cleansing the Lord's temples. Kadao, Hararamandira Marjanadishu. Kadao, his two hands. Hare Mandira means the temple of Krishna, the temple of God. Marjanabishu, cleaning the temple of Hari, the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Shruchim Chakaratu Chasatkatode. His ear, Shruchim Chakara, is engaged. Achucha. Satkata Udaye, in hearing the transcendental narrations about Achuta, Krishna, the infallible. So the next verse says that Maharaj Ambarish engages his eyes in seeing the deity of Krishna, Krishna's temples, and Krishna's places like Matra and Vrindavana. He engaged his sense of touch in touching the bodies of the Lord's devotees. He engaged his sense of smell in smelling the fragrance of Tulsi offered to the Lord, and he engaged his tongue and tasting the Lord's prasad. Maharaj Ambarish engaged his legs in walking to the holy places and temples of the Lord, his head in bowing down before the Lord, and all his desires in serving the Lord twenty-four hours a day. Indeed, Maharaj Ambarish never desired anything for his own sense gratification. He engaged all his senses in devotional service and various engagements related to the Lord. This is the way to increase attachment for the Lord and be completely free from all material desires. So what is our goal in Krishna consciousness? The goal is described here, to increase attachment for the Lord and be completely free from all material desires. This is a lofty goal indeed. And it is a, it is a long road from where we are now to this platform of being only attached to Krishna and completely free from all material desires. But the process here is given uh, that all the senses uh, should be engaged in the service of the Lord in these transcendental activities of Krishna consciousness. And in this way, one will make progress. Uh, just like Okay, now you're the junior devotee here, and you have to wait your turn to chant the verse. But someday, if you never leave, then you will be the senior devotee, and you will be instructing the junior devotees in the etiquette of Krishna consciousness. And who knows? Maybe become guru. There's no limit or stricture. Uh, Lord Chaitanya wanted everyone to become a spiritual master and instruct everybody else. Whatever you know about Krishna, tell them about Krishna. And he said that this perfection in preaching was actually achieved by Saraswati, the uh, young daughter of Shamasundar and Malati, who at that time in India, three, four, or five years old. And she would tell people that, do you know who Krishna is? Krishna is the Supreme Personality of Godhead. So in this way, he said, even a child can preach Krishna consciousness very nicely. So there is no limit or stricture. Uh, but you have to stay the course. Uh, I remember when I joined, 
I was the the, the new greenhorn on Radha party, and everyone else was much more experienced than me. And now here, some decades later, here I am, the old getting to be one of the old guys. So uh, the purport of that is that um, just keep your feet on the path of Krishna consciousness, and you will one day attain the perfection of going back home, back to Godhead. That is the conclusion. Um, it may take a little longer for someone, and someone else may be a little more uh, expert in advance, and they can take shorter time, but um, doesn't matter. Whatever. Everyone has their own rate and level and enthusiasm and commitment, but you just keep your feet on the path and keep practicing uh, the science of bhakti, the yogic principles, and then you will attain the goal. Maybe this life, maybe next life, sooner or later. Uh, so one time there was this, uh, one of our uh, initiating spiritual masters in Iskan, Virabahu Prabhu, was uh, giving a class in Miami. I happened to be there at that time. I used to spend uh, a month or so every winter in Miami, in the deep heart of winter, January, February, Miami, 75, 70, high 77 degrees, low 69. <laughs> Convenient place to be in the winter. And um, so he was talking about, so, Go on hearing and chanting and prosecuting your Krishna consciousness. So I asked him, so um, how long does it take? Because sometimes we may be a little impatient or uh, perhaps we may even feel a little stuck like in a rut because we're, we feel like we're not making progress even though if we take a snapshot of ourselves at a given time and then we look back, say, a year or five years or ten years or twenty years, we can see that we're not in the same place that we were before. But sometimes, you know, they say you can't see the forest for the trees. So we're like a little bug crawling along this superhighway and the mile markers may seem very far apart. So we may become bewildered or um, uh, impatient and think, well, how long is this, is this going to take, you know? Man, I've been chanting Hare Krishna for you know, two, three weeks already. What's going on here? I'm not a pure devotee yet. I remember when I joined, um, I became a devotee, and I had come to the conclusion that Krishna consciousness was the only thing that could save me from sex desire. It was the only thing I ever encountered that even claimed to do such a thing. <laughs> no one else was even interested in such a thing that I knew or even heard of. Um, so then I thought, yes, now I'm practicing Krishna consciousness. My plan, at that time I was 19 years old, my plan is by the time I'm 25, I will be free from sex desire. <laughs> This is very nice. So 25 came, 25 went. I thought, well, maybe by 30. So, you know, Prabhupada tells the story 
of uh, the devotee uh, was asking, how long does this sex desire continue? And when does one become free? I hear some phone ringing. Thank you. So, how long does it go on? And the answer was given. It was the king asking the minister. So he asked his minister, who was a very wise and learned Brahmana, how long does it go on? It goes on to the very last moment of life. And the king was like, no, you're kidding me. That's just, it, that can't be the way it works. He says, yes, goes up to the last second. He said, I don't believe you. He says, okay, um, I'll tell you what, I will, I will prove it to you. So when I'm ready to prove it to you, I will call for you and you bring your daughter. So he, the, the princess is a beautiful young girl. You know, Chatris have very beautiful bodily features and they're very passionate people. And the great kings are very handsome and they have very beautiful daughters who become queens in their own rights. But bring your young daughter who's in the fresh bloom of youth. So uh, some time passed by, and then the king got a message. The messenger came. The prime minister is calling you. Bring your daughter. Come to the um, infirmary, to the hospital. So he comes to the infirmary, and there was one man there. He was on his deathbed, um, just about ready to expire any moment. And he's there. Oh. And so... The Prime Minister motions the king to come in. So first the king comes in. So normally, when the king comes in the room, it's like, Jai Raj. You know, he's the most important person in the kingdom. He's the most, he's God's representative, Nara Dave. He's like, he's a man, Nara, but Deva, he represents God. He's empowered. And generally they're very powerful. The Chakras are very powerful. And everyone respects them and views them in awe and reverence and fear also. So the king walks in the room and the man didn't even pay attention to the king. Mm -hmm. You know, oh, the king. And then right behind him comes his beautiful daughter. And then the guy's like, <laughs> whoa. Even at the very moment of death. And he disrespected the king. And when the daughter came in, he was like, <laughs> wow. So, in this way, the prime minister convinced the king that this desire goes up to the very last moment. Unless um, one becomes Krishna conscious. So this is the secret. This is the way to... Um, because Krishna, he is the conqueror of Cupid. So if we surrender to Krishna, then we also will not be conquered by Cupid. So this is a very nice lesson, but somehow there I was blessed with this understanding that if I wanted to become free from this, this karma, this material desire, then I had to surrender to Krishna. And my plan to do that within five years and then extending it out to ten years, well that may take a little longer than my original plan. <laughs> but hope is there. And certainly, uh, we can see after practicing Krishna Conscious for many de decades, we are not at the same platform that we started, for sure. We can look back and we can read the symptoms. It's a science. It's in the Shastra. Uh, so we can understand that 
there is progress. But just like the little bug crawling around along the superhighway, he's a little tiny bug and he's crawling just a little millimeter here and a millimeter there. And meanwhile, there's some guy in a Mercedes or a Porsche coming by at you know 140 miles an hour. Well, he's going a lot faster than the bug. So he's going to get to the destination a lot sooner. But if that little bug doesn't stop crawling along that superhighway, eventually he will traverse it. Eventually. So that is our position. We're like the little bug uh, crawling along the superhighway. And we see these great devotees far ahead of us. We just see their dust. And we think, yes, let me grab their dhoti. So you grab onto the dhoti of Srila Prabhupada. Srila Prabhupada, take me. Take me away from all this. Pull me along. Help me. Um, and that is the way to get the mercy. So one thing I want to briefly mention before we stop here. Um, Prabhupada gives us the eight divisions of yogic performance. Because this verse is talking about what a great yogini uh, Devahuti was. Um, both Kardama and Devahuti. So he mentions these things. That the number one uh, uh, practice of yoga is called yama, control of the senses. Then, um, and that we practice in Krishna consciousness, control of the senses. No meat eating, no intoxication, no illicit sex, no gambling. So that's control of the senses, that's yama. Then niyama, strictly following the rules and regulations. The two are related. So we control the senses by engaging them in the service of Krishna, positively, yama, and niyama, we avoid the prohibitions. So there's the do's and the don'ts. Then, uh, that's yama and niyama. There was one devotee who uh, does a comedy routine and he builds himself as yama niyama das brahmachari. <laughs> I highly recommend you uh, go on YouTube and look at some of the routines of yama niyama das brahmachari. He does he, makes, he takes popular rock and roll songs and does Krishna conscious humorous versions. And he presents himself um, as if, he's very good at this, he presents himself like he's thinking he's very advanced, but actually he's a fool who's thinking he's advanced. And he's got various songs that demonstrate. He's got one song about fasting. And he's, in this song about fasting, he's like, He's losing control of his senses. He's, you know, trying to drink all the charnamrita. <laughs> He's completely lost control, and um, you know, it's like only it's Mongol Arctic time. <laughs> so he's already lost it and flipping out about fasting. Very funny. There is a friend of mine, Kendra Das. Uh, Yama niyama. That means only rules and regulations. Fanatic. So number three is called asana. So asana means different sitting postures. And modern practitioners of so-called yoga are only interested in this asana. But um, that is a, a deviation from the original uh, yogic practice of asana, which Pantanjali incidentally describes as something which can be comfortably and relaxedly done. So that one can achieve, go to the next stage, uh, which is called uh, pranayama, control of the breath. 
So these modern people, they try to do all these very difficult postures and they even have competitions, like who can do the most difficult twisted up thing, but that is actually a uh, concoction. Please understand, that is a concoction. The, the goal of asana is just to remain fixed, sitting with one's head, neck, spine erect, relaxed, breathing nicely, and concentrating and focusing on Krishna. That is real yoga. So after the pranayama, control the breath, is uh, the next stage is called pratyahara, which means withdrawing the senses from their sense objects, not meditating on the sense objects or overly engaging with them. And in Krishna consciousness, we practice this by engaging all the senses in the service of the master of the senses. Rishikena, Rishikesha, Sevanim Bhakti Bhuchite. So you can try to struggle very hard. I'm going to control my senses, I'm going to control my senses. But what happens to a neophyte? He's thinking, I'm going to give up. I'm not attached to sense gratification. I'm not, I'm not going to say. And he's thinking, 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 sense gratification, sense gratification, sense gratification. And he can't give it up. Like somebody who has some addiction or like smoking or something. They just, they try to quit smoking, but all they can think about is that cigarette. I got to have that cigarette. It was like there's one song about smoking that was performed when I was, uh, it was a kind of a hit song on AM radio when I was a kid. Smoke, smoke, smoke that cigarette. Smoke, smoke, smoke yourself to death. Tell St. Peter at the Golden Gate, you just hate to make him wait, but you got to have another cigarette. So even that song, it's like it keeps, it keeps you from going to heaven. Getting, you can't get in the gates of heaven because, all right, come on to heaven. No, wait a minute, I got to smoke. <laughs> So uh, that's the nature of addiction and meditation on the sense objects. So pratyahara means to withdraw from that meditation on the sense objects. And we withdraw from that meditation by engaging our senses in the service of Krishna. Hearing, chanting, doing Krishna's work, cleaning the temple, taking prasadam, selling Krishna's books, printing Krishna's books, maintaining Krishna's temple, uh, doing all the things that we do uh, to push on this Krishna consciousness movement. Um, that is actually sense control. That is pratyahara, withdrawing the senses from the objects of sense gratification, but using everything at the same time in the service of Krishna. Not artificial renunciation, where we're just like, I don't want to, I'm not going 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 to, smoke, 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 I'm not going to do it. So this is how Maya, tricks us like this. Smoking is just one example. That's our, our old friend Ganadas used to say that, um, you know, devotees become practiced in sense control. And he would say that you can put a, a whole room full of cigarettes in front of a devotee and he will not be even slightly attracted. And then he said, but do not try that with a whole room full of the opposite sex. <laughs> Don't tempt the fates. Just to give us the relative power of different sense objects. After pratyahara comes um, ahadana, concentration of the mind. So this we do by chanting Hare Krishna, by chanting Japa, 16 rounds. We concentrate and focus our mind on Krishna. 
chanting the Maha Mantra, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. And then after that, the next stage is called Dhyana, meditation, in which there is one is, and meditation is a higher stage where one is always thinking of the pastimes of Krishna. This is exhibited by like the six Goswamis of Vrindavan. And then finally, number eight is called Samadhi. Prabhupada gives it a self-realization. Samadhi means full absorption uh, on the spiritual platform. So these are things we can aspire to by the practice of Krishna conscious yoga. And we'll stop here. I went longer than I intended to. So any questions or comments? Maybe you can tell us the verse that um, from the Gita that, that affirms what you said about the king and the minister and the princess. Do you know that verse? In the fifth chapter. Yeah. Because between Yehi Samsparsha and Yontaksukon, two of my favorite verses. You know the verse? Give me a hint. Shak, Shak no Tihaiva. Shak no Tihaiva, Yakshodhum. Here's the line. Rak Sharira Vimokshana. That means before giving up this present life. Raksharira vimokshana kama prodhabhavam sayuktaksasukhinara So, it's, in the translation, it's the first English line that actually confirms the story, because Krishna says, before giving up this present body, if one is able to tolerate the urges of the material senses and check the forces of desire and anger, he is a yogi and is happy in this world. So those desires are coming up right up to the time of death. Traksharira, before giving up this present body. Lakshmi Modi Maharaji says, a body without desires is called a dead body. So it's just the devotee, it's not that we don't feel the desires, we just don't act on them, because we have a higher pace. Because we dovetail everything with Krishna's service. Yeah. All our desires. But don't be surprised if the desires come, just that you just don't you dismiss them because you have something better to do. Right. Something higher. Something higher. Higher taste. Vishayabin Vartanti. Nihara Shadehina. Vasavarjan Vasokisa. You get a higher taste than the lower taste no longer holds any power over you. Because you've got a higher taste. Something that's better. Not artificial, just give something up, but Give it up for something better. Anyone else? Okay, thank you all very much. Shira Bhagavadi.